Welcome to Out of Game Episode 16. In today's episode, we give a mini-review of Colt Express and give the first of a two-part series where we focus on the positive side of board gaming. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go Out of Game. Welcome to episode 16 of Out of Game. Episode 16. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we are a podcast about board games. So in this episode, we're going to start a two-part series, which we've never done before. And part one of that series is going to be entitled All Things Positive, where we focus on the positive Uh, side of board gaming. Happy, happy, joy, joy. And you can probably guess what part two will be. All Things Negative? That's right. I was going for mediocre. What, what's more interesting to you guys out of those two things? Positive aspects of gaming or negative? I don't like being a downer, so probably positive. Yeah, I'm going to go with the positive route. And I'm going to take the opposite view. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no surprise. I, I actually have a lot of a lot of positive things, and it'll be fun to talk about that. But the negative is interesting, though. I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear what things bring you down. Because those are things you can you can work on eliminating... Um, in order to make your game nights better. Right, so before we get into all that, though, let's start the spawn point. So, Chris, why don't you start us off in the spawn point? So, we played a game of um, The House on Haunted Hill or something. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was called. Betrayal at House on the Hill. That, that's what I meant. Something like that. And my number was... 11 game of all time. Wow, really? Oh. Yeah. So... You guys were both in that game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy that game <laughs> too much. <laughs> I was a little disappointed. We we should make a segment to talk about this game at some point. Because the previous times we played this game, it, it was good. I yeah. enjoyed it. But there's a series of things that came together that sort of soured the whole thing. I, th- I and, think it was just due to the actual haunt that happened. I, it seemed like a well, easier haunt to take care of. Here's the problem, though. You... We were we thought it was broken that we had no chance against the villain or whatever. But then the me- mechanism didn't occur to us what would happen once we finally damaged him. So just for those of you listening, the the ghost or whatever was attacking us, they had seven attack dice. And every time and for us to even attack the ghost, there's like this the, all these conditions to even allow us to do it. And it and it seemed very broken. Like we we were only rolling like two or three dice. So we thought that we had no chance. And I remember that's when you, Chris, like checked out of the game because it was so. It seemed very broken. But but that's not why I checked out. My problem was well before that. Okay, it's because the other. So we were we were broken into two groups, and the other guys were playing. Were they playing? They're playing a different game at a different table, and they had finished. They were playing five tribes. Yes, and they had finished up, and the five tribes game goes on a while. So we thought it was a good match. And they, they, they were waiting around, and right. I, I, they just, our game was moving very slowly. It was, it's a slow problem for me. And then by the time the haunt happened, I was just I was so ready for that, that haunt. Right. Let's get the show on the road. And then we had like some snafu with the rules we were trying to figure out, like what's an attack? Can you attack with your uh, mind? Right, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it just like there was so much lag, and I think it was the lag that did it more so than the, the rule issues or anything. But... Anyway, so I just thought that was worth bringing up. We played that game. It was the last week. Yeah. and um, It's kind of our Halloween game night. Hall- yeah. So that's pretty much the only time I bring that out at this point. Right. I think it's fun to play once a year. The other one that I like playing once a year is Elder Tour, but 
it's probably too long for our Wednesday night, so I might be doing that. Actually, I'm having a game day this Saturday, hmm. and I'm hoping to bust that one out because that game is really fun too. The other big news is coming out of retirement and starting an RPG. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, so it's been how many years? Gosh, when was that? 2010 or so? Uh, yeah, at least. It's been at least five years. It's been at least five years. So we're we're starting a new RPG campaign called Alvaron, and we're setting up the, doing the world building and the character generation and all that. We got six, looks like six players, maybe seven, but probably six is is the max anyway. It's like five and two halves. So (laughs) who are the two halves? Uh, The people who might not show up all the time. Oh, right. That's true because you have no shows and stuff. So anyway, looking forward to that. So I will not be in this game, unfortunately, but Tim is going to yes. be in it. And of course, GURPS, baby. There yeah, is we chose the GURPS system, which we'll have to have a podcast dedicated to talking about that. We've, you know, the, the GURPS system versus the D&D system, right? We'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to talk about that again at some point. And, you know, I, I kind of want to know from the listeners, We Chris records all of his games. So let us know if that's something you'd be interested in hearing clips of. We're not sure because the audio quality is pretty bad compared to the podcast quality. It's just like a mic in the center of the room. There'd be absolutely no editing. There'd probably be a lot of swearing. So it might it's not Dice Tower friendly. It had to be like a separate channel or something. But if that's something you're interested in, let us know and maybe we can make something happen. Yeah, recording the the RPG sessions is something that was weird when we first started it, but we quickly realized the value of it because you have some classic moments there and you know, in, in the campaigns that I run, it's not all hack and slash. There's a lot of dialogue and a lot of problem solving. Yeah. And so it's fun to go back and listen to it, even in between sessions, to you pick up things you don't notice the first time. So Yeah, I know when I, because this was something we did with your campaigns. We had never done this when I was playing with my groups. And when I first broke out the microphone, everybody's kind of looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm going to record it. And they're like, you're, you're, you're what? I'm like, no, we're going to record this, and then I can listen to it later, and this, and they just kind of gave me that, like, uh, you're nuts. Right. But I guess we'll go along with it, because it's your house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got away with recording myself GMing at a convention. Wow. So, for me, it's a necessity to record. I've never actually played any game, well, that's not true, I played at some conventions that I was a player where they didn't record, but 90% has, has been recorded, and I knew I wanted to record mine. And it was weird. And not only that, but we also do music in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was also a necessity for me. So I had to first kind of break it to them, like, we're going to be playing music. I hope that's okay. That, I thought that was the easiest of the two. And then after we were, like, sh- shooting the breeze for a while, I'm like, and if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to record, too. And it was the same reaction. Everyone's oh, like, yeah. that was so weird. But when we were done, every single person was like, can you, can you like, here's my email. Can you send me those files? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, it, you know, people come around once they try it. I know, and that... And, it's something that I go back to all the time too, because we we only game like once a month, so it's a long time before we game. Yeah, I love that week before going back listening to what we did a month ago, and now it's like fresh in my head, so I know where we're at, and it's it's a great tool for that, and it's a lot of fun going back and listening to those funner campaigns. Yeah, yeah. it's classic. Um, some groups do like someone will transcribe or describe what happened in the session; they'll type it out. This is way less work. Way less, and it's more. I mean, recording it is way less work than doing that. Yeah. So if you're one of those people, give recording it a try. All you have to do is get a portable mic or even just like a, a cheap computer microphone, connect it to your PC. You could use Audacity, which is what we use to record this podcast or edit this podcast to record. And it's very easy. 
it's something you could figure out how to do in probably a half hour of time. Well, and if time. you have a laptop, you just use the built-in mic. I yeah. Mean, that's yeah, what these we days use. are good enough to do yeah, that. Yeah, we use the built-in. We just have a webcam. We use the webcam just to record all the voice data. Yeah. Well, uh, happy to report that I am done with my cabinet modification with the yeah. uh, new drawer slides. It's done. All the drawers are back together. All the blocks are back in the cabinet. So I have a new uh, dresser full of uh, blocks that now open. Nice. So found out that it was a weight issue. Drawers were, uh, on average, 30 pounds of dwarven forge materials, and they just were, as it got extended, it would pop out in the back off the uh, slide. So got some nice full extension slides and in business. So that means you're ready for a new project. Yeah, I think so. Like I the game be, table, maybe? I might, I might have to start looking into that. Or the that. bathroom. <laughs> Actually, that one may be on the docket soon, but we'll talk about that one. I'm not sure which one of those I'd want more. Oh, I think, what? I think, we can go upstairs for the bathroom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen those game tables, Chris? The game tables are cool. They're, they're amazing. Nice. They're pretty nice. And then uh, I know you guys are going to be jealous. <laughs> Been doing a lot of shoots and ladders with my daughter. Oh, man. oh so yeah. We're, we're, we're going to town on shoots and ladders. She's big time into it, and uh, I think we're about 60-40 now with me in the, in the lead. and. <laughs> Of course, I, I've already caught her, too, with the little spinner dial. She knows she needs a four, and she's trying to just flick it just enough to get it to go around to the four. I'm like, no, Sam, you got you, you to gotta spin it. There's none of this, like, half-flicking stuff. So apparently that kind of uh, thing starts young. Uh, she's I'm a gamer sure, in the making, for yes. sure. I'm pretty sure that's rated higher than that game Chris talked about. Yeah, probably in Candyland, too. <laughs> so for me, I thought I'd give a magic number update. Ooh. Um, it's not going well. My magic number is up to 42 now. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Going the wrong way. Yeah. So a couple of Kickstarters came in. Oh. Um, so, yeah. I don't think I'm going to make it <laughs> the resolution. Get you under 20. Some time. Get under 20. I mean, I'm... I started at 48. I think the lowest it's been so far was like th- is 33 since I started trying to lower it. So I don't know. But more positive note, our guild count... So you know how we've been uh, talking about where we rank in Board Game Geek Podcasts Guild members is up to 50. We had our 50th member, nice, uh, which I'm pretty happy about. And that, that puts us strongly in the top 40% now. Nice. So we're moving up the ranks there. There we go. And uh, I know that we have some new listeners, too. We've noticed the downloads increase. Uh, probably, actually, guaranteed <laughs> that it's because of joining the Dice Tower Network. So we welcome all of our new listeners. Welcome to the table. And one of those new listeners that emailed me was, might get his name wrong, Andreas Steiger. These are, this is a, a German name. I don't know how to speak German, but he's the designer of the game Targi, which is my favorite two-player game, and got a random email from him that he found our podcast because we joined the Dice Tower Network and uh, started listening. So just wanted to give a plug for Targi, best two-player game on the market. Uh, it's actually not in print right now, but it's on Amazon. People are selling it on the aftermarket for like 50 bucks, and I would even wow. say it's it's worth the $50. But if you don't want to spend the 50 just wait. I'm, I guarantee this game will come back in print. It's such a good game. Cool. So, uh, yeah, welcome to all the new listeners. We should tell the listeners, too. We have a concept here called The Table, right, where we, we're on this, this large table. It's where we broadcast from. It's the kind of table you'd play games at and. You know, we like to think of our listeners as virtually sitting here with us and just like the informal way we we make the podcast and, you know, having the listener questions emailed and voicemailed. So just uh, pull up a chair to the table and make yourself at home. Yep. And, 
you know, we've thrown, we've tossed around the idea of actually hosting a game day in here, an invitational. Yeah. This is a big room we're in. Probably could do it. That would be fun. You would love it if you got every chair here filled and did one night ultimate werewolf. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or regular werewolf. Yeah. You probably wouldn't go home. We got to make that happen yeah, now. Maybe so. <laughs> we need some more Chicago area listeners. If you're a Chicago area listener, let us know. Email me at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. We'll make, maybe we can make something happen. All right. Let's move on. So wanted to give a reminder about our contest. Contest. So again, this is a contest for the game Codenames. So if you haven't entered yet, I would highly suggest you do so. And how do we enter? I mean, Here, how, does, how does the, the listeners enter? So, so, so here's how the listeners enter. And we decided to up the ante a bit and simplify the process. because So this is, this is the, new, the new process. Either email us or send us a voicemail with a question for the show. If you do that, Get one entry. So wait, all I have to do is send an email. Yeah, and then like ask some question. Yeah, and then I'm entered. Yes. Okay. Or or a voicemail. So the email again is outofgamepodcast at gmail The voicemail is forty oog oog eighty. Ask us a question to, for us to answer on the show. You have an entry in the podcast. Or How many in, times in can I enter? Just once. That's a confusing question because if you also leave us a review on iTunes, we'll give you three additional entries so so that would be four yeah so technically you could have four entries in the contest and what's the game again code names okay i've got an enter vada shvatel designer of through the ages dungeon lords dungeon pets and many other well-known highly rated games mage knight tim played mage knight i think no actually i have some of the mage knight stuff never played it okay it's the mini thing i don't know well, this is Mage Knight, the board game, the cooperative board game. That's the game that Ahmad had at his house that night that went like all night. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't get anybody to play anything like over two hours at our game. Yeah, game, I so. know. You know, Tim, you and I should just get together and play some games. I'm good. Let's do, do, like, do like a good six-hour one. <laughs> so anyways, leave us a voicemail or email us a question for one entry. Review us on iTunes for three additional entries. And just let us know through the email uh, just reference your iTunes review somehow so we know who you were. And when's the deadline? The deadline for this contest is December 1st, 2015 at 11.59 p.m. CST. So this is like a Christmas present you could win. That's right. Nice. All for you. Merry Christmas to our future winner. All right, let's move on to some listener questions. Some questions. So... I do want to give a shout out to my friend Dennis, by the way. Dennis actually has a company called Bellwether Games and has some games released. One is called Dropsite. That was his first game. The next one was called Antidote, which was a game I backed on Kickstarter. He's a friend of mine, and he sent us a list of six questions because I asked for someone to do that last time. So thank you, Dennis, for doing that. We're not going to ask your question, though. We're asking questions from other people. We just wanted to give you a shout out, Dennis, because I really appreciated that. So question one that we're actually going to answer on this episode was from Mo. We all know Mo. Hey, Mo. Mo's at the table with us. Yes, he is. So Mo asks, what is your favorite version of Werewolf since there are so many out there? Is Ultimate Werewolf the ultimate? I know I've had fun with One Night Ultimate Werewolf. And do you worship Cthulhu? Yeah, so for me, I would say God, there's, there's a lot of great variations of it. I, don't, I didn't really like Ultimate Werewolf. You know, we tried it. Yeah. 
at Gen Con we, we play. I don't know. It just it, there could be reasons for that. I think a lot of it has to do with the people and the the way the game is being played. I, I know they use some house rules, but one night ultimate werewolf usually wins for me. You know, we <laughs> Ryan and Tim are a little burnt out on it, but if you play just a couple times and then not let it go on too long, it's a great game. It's fast. You, you crank these games in and out, and um, I always have a good time with that game. So I would go with One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Yeah, I, I predicted that. Yeah, yeah. I don't or know what Tim's going to say. My second one would be Regular Werewolf, just old school Regular Werewolf. Plain Jane Vanilla Plain Werewolf. Plain Jane Vanilla Werewolf. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if I'm going, I'm going to go Witch Hunt. Witch Hunt. Yeah, I've, it's, it's kind of keeping that with your whole group. You know, it's a game you can play. Everyone gets to stay involved, even after you're hung or mauled or whatever. You're still involved in the game. Maybe it's not as fun, but at least you can stay with your same game group and play other games if you want to. And it's not, I get eliminated and have to go somewhere else. Right. If, I, if we're doing something on the tabletop, it's probably the one night ultimate werewolf. I, you know, I do enjoy it, even though I'm the werewolf 80% of the time. So <laughs> it's a foregone conclusion. The only time that comes in my advantage is when I'm actually the tanner and then get killed because nice. everybody thinks I'm the werewolf. But <laughs> Right. Well, you know, I did some thinking about this. I used to think it was Ultimate Werewolf, but I've I've decided it's just plain old werewolf. Wow. Just the plain version and and I've got some reasons. I think the main reason is that plain werewolf can be played with anybody. And I feel like Ultimate Werewolf and even Witch Hunt, you pretty much need gamers to play. And I like that because when we play this usually which is at Gen Con, we have so many different types of people in the game, and that's what makes it fun for me, I think, is all the different personalities. It's not just a bunch of like alpha gamers playing. So I think that's my main reason. That that's I, the second main reason. What's, the main reason you chose that <laughs> is because you don't like being coerced and kind of told what to do by the group right. in a co-op situation, which is what happened. That happened in Witch Hunt, Witch Hunt if, yeah. when I was a grave digger. Yeah. And yeah. it can happen in one night sometimes. but It does, because people pressure. Like if you're the troll everyone's pressuring. Pressuring Ryan yeah. is a bad idea. Yeah. It, it never ends well for anybody. It's probably why I don't like co-ops, too. Or is that, was that your theory already? Yeah. I think it was. That yeah. was my theory already. I, I've got you all figured out. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so, But yeah, the regular werewolf also... Anybody can play is a good appeal to it. Right. Werewolf is social deduction, and I think regular werewolf is the most social of all of them. So that would be my choice. Question two comes from my good friend Aaron Dean, who I'm going to see this Saturday at my game day. Aaron says, given your recent I'm, – I'm doing air quotes because he sent this a while ago. Sorry, Aaron. Given your recent talk about how much you like the art in board games, which game has the best art? It's hard to say which game has the best art without going through, looking at each one and evaluating it, but just off the top of my head, I think for me, it's more about the theming than the art. And there's a little difference between the theming and the art because the art is specific to uh, like the, the pictures right. and, and, all, and all that. The, the, the theming is the whole thing. Like For example, in Dead of Winter, they could use little gray cubes for the zombies, yeah. but instead they've got like real-looking zombies on the little holder. The standies. The yeah. little stand. Cardboard standies. And that, just that little thing adds a lot to me. So for me, it's theming. It's more about theming than art. And I don't even know. I, you know, I might even choose Dead of Winter as a great example for a good themed game. Mm-hmm. And it's got some decent art, too. Okay. I, I kind of have to just throw a, a kudos out to Magic just due to That's true. the plethora of artists that they have supported over the years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that varies, too, from artist to artist. You get some 
that I love and other ones that I, I can't stand. But there's a, there's a nice variety there. But if we're going to the board games, recently I, I think Seven Wonders. I really do like the art in Seven Wonders. Huh. I think the, the cards that they have there, pictures are really nice, good quality pictures. Uh, the Leaders Expansion, which we played with last time, you know, good quality pictures of the leaders. And That's I think a it, good, it adds good a lot call. to the game. Yeah. And Seven Wonders theming is also pretty good. Yeah. I never would have picked Seven Wonders. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because there's no board, and yeah. I, I kind of include the. I'm always thinking like, how does the board, board look? Maybe. Right. Yeah, I overlooked that one too. But I guess the card art isn't bad in that game. Yeah, I think the card art is is, is very well done. Yeah. So for me, it's a game that I don't think either of you have probably ever even seen. It's called CO2. I usually exhale that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a game uh, from Stronghold Games, and the art in it is very unique. It almost looks like a watercolor portrait. The board itself and then the, the box cover. Like This is one of the games that I would actually photocopy the cover and frame it and hang it on my wall. It's that cool looking. Wow. Mm. Just look it up. Just look up CO2 on BoardGameGeek and just look at the cover. It's, it's, it's got really nice art. Uh, so that would be my choice. You know, I think it's time for some faking it. Fake it till we make it. Enough of this reality stuff. To be a great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you're not, Pretend you are. Fake it till we make it. So as a reminder, we're still doing this segment for some reason, even though we're on the Dice Tower Network. And we're pretty sure we're going to be doing it for the duration of the podcast because the end goal now is being the winner of the Golden Geek Award for Best Board Game Podcast. And unless there's some catastrophic event and we're the only survivors... I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. But you never know. You never know. You have little faith. <laughs> it starts with a good music clip, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> so question one, and, and these are questions that are on previous Dice Tower episodes because that's who we're pretending to be like. Question one is, what goes through your head when you hear that a Dice version is being made of a game that you like? I cringe. Cringe? Yeah, I'm not a fan of dice, just in general. Uh, you know, obviously games use dice. I mean, that's part of it. But they, there's a recent wave of diceifying, right? Yeah. Games are becoming diceified, And in general, I think there's already enough randomness in some of these games. We don't need to add m- even more. So that's my gut reaction, my first reaction. Having said that, I've liked some of the dice games. Yeah. You know, Roll for the Galaxy to- off the top of my head. So Alien Frontiers, Alien Frontiers. Well, but that 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 wasn't diceified. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, in general, there's already enough luck. <laughs> Not a fan of the luck. So yeah, I would say uh, yuck is my reaction. Yuck. Okay. Yeah, I have the same reaction. Oh, uh, just you know, I don't care. Take the dice. I've got enough dice at home. I've got all I got bags and bags of Dungeons and Dragons dice. I don't need more games with dice. That's the random factor. I, you know, I get it. Some of the games become quicker because of the dice rather than playing the other way. But I'm not in to play a game that I can play in 20 minutes. I'm playing a game that I can enjoy, and if it takes an hour and a half to enjoy it, uh, it's uh, an hour and a half well spent. So let's say theoretically you didn't have role playing as something to do. Would you like dice games more if that were the case? Negative. No. No, no. no like, so why do you like it in role playing then? Because that's random. Well, you have to resolve things. Yeah, but you could you yeah. could have a more strategic way. You like could just what? have deterministic combat. Like my strength is better than yours, so I win. But my intelligence is higher than yours, right. so my spell hits you. 
Well, that does factor into the rolling, though. Right. But there's always a chance that you have a David and Goliath thing. And when you give the little guy a chance by making some great roll, remember the, the moment when uh, one of your characters threw a pill into the mouth yeah. of somebody? And because you rolled, <laughs> you, you made a critical success in your roll, it allowed it to work. You sure it was Ryan? Because I've never seen him roll a critical success. It's rare. Yeah. I had to do, I'd use luck. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was a luck roll, and then I got it. You had to use luck. But so I think there's a, there's a need for it in RPGs. But obviously, the stats should factor in to the dice rolls. But well. I think in a lot of board games, it's the same thing. It gives the guy who's behind a chance to catch up. If there's a little, if there's some luck in the game, there's a chance that they can come back. I know. It's like take bang the dice game. There's really no catching up in that game. It's just. Yeah, you could because if you what were, I randomly throw down determines. Yeah, but you, let's say you were, you were you only had one hit point left, but then you roll great and you get to shoot like everyone around you, or the Indians hit everyone and a couple of people die. You're, you're touching on a sensitive issue here. Okay, I want to warn you. What is it? <laughs> there, there's a topic that I was going to introduce later about lightweight games versus regular games. Okay, to me, there's a big difference between. Games that you play for, you, you, it's like you know that the decisions you make aren't going to really factor into whether you win. And that's the example you used with Bang the Dice game. And even Tim's example of he'd rather spend an hour and a half to play a game that he enjoys versus diceifying a game to make it faster and then more random. So just to give you an example, Caverna, Kalis, games like this, they're not diceified, and I think a lot of what you do determines the outcome right. in those games. Games like King of Tokyo, games like uh, uh, Bang the Dice Game, Colt Express. Uh, ultimately, what you do isn't going to win you or lose you those games. It's largely luck. They're still fun games. I like King of Tokyo. Those are fun games. But they're lightweight, meaning you go and you play them, and you don't really care if you win or lose as much as just having the experience. Whereas if you're sitting down to play Kalos, you're you're trying to win that game. And the decisions you make go a long way. What I'm failing to understand is why you enjoy it in role-playing, but you don't enjoy it in board games. Well, Because there's other things. I mean, role-playing, the dice are just a means to solve a particular situation, whereas the the dice game, that that is the whole purpose is the dice. There is no other... If you didn't have the dice, there is no game. All right, here's an example. Okay. King of Tokyo. Let's use that as an example because there's a lot of dice. You're rolling those dice. You have no idea. what's. You can't control them. You can't modify them. There's, they are what they are, yeah. and they're the same for everybody unless you get a card that buys you another dice or whatever. In role-playing, your dice are very much affected by your character. So I could be like Godzilla in King of Tokyo, and then you could be Spectron or whatever, and you're <laughs> rolling the same dice. In role-playing... You know, if I've got a mage and you've got a fighter and we're resolving some issue, the stats on my character sheet factor in with the dice in order to make some resolution. So it's there's a lot that goes into it in that situation versus, yeah, let's just roll dice and bang the dice game and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And So you're picking dice games, though, that are like the total luck games. I guess when I, when I think of a dice game, I'm thinking of... So some examples recently... Uh, one is uh, Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark, they made a dice, kind of a quote-unquote dice version called Discoveries, but it's still a strategic game. There's probably a little more luck than the regular board game, but it's almost like you're saying with role-playing. There's things that you can do to affect your role, that impact your role. It's not like King of Tokyo where it's just luck of the dice. And I guess 
for me personally, that's what I think of when it says a game that you like is remade into a dice game. For some reason, that's where, where my head goes is I'm thinking of a more more strategic game. It's not like, oh, we're taking a highly strategic game and making like a total luck version of the game. Well, that's a good point. I think part of it is the way the question is worded. Because what goes through your head when you hear that a dice version is being made? Right, it's all subjective. It's what goes through your head. It doesn't mean, like, like Roll for the Galaxy is an example. If I hear that they're going to do that, my first reaction is to cringe. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't like the game because I actually do like the game. Right. It, it's it's almost like it's guilty before being proven innocent. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you there. It's just my first reaction is uh, we got a perfectly good game and now you're just going to put dice in it for whatever reason. You know, a lot of times, you know, to me, like, especially like if cards are being replaced with dice i mean cards have art and you know there's a lot of good graphics and stuff that go along with it that enhance the game and now i'm relegated to uh, this little six sider with a couple symbols on it yeah but those symbols can be awesome sometimes they can so i'm a dice bigot we all know yes we know that and i this is what i think i kind of relate this to when games first started coming out with intellectual properties the automatic assumption was that it was going to be a horrible game so like before, if you heard, like, there's a Star Wars game coming out, you're like, oh, they're using an intellectual property. It's going to be horrible. And then Battlestar Galactica kind of changed that. Everyone's like, whoa, this game's actually good. And then now recently, when IP games have come out, people are starting to change their initial gut reaction. And I think the same thing is happening right now with dice games, because there's a lot of these dice versions of games being released. And I think everyone's initial reaction probably is negative. But these games are starting to prove prove themselves in a way that they're actually good. So although your initial reaction is bad, when you actually play the game, you realize, okay, it's not just a luck fest, and people are enjoying these games. That's why I think that's why there's more and more of them coming out. So I think over time, if we play more of these, maybe your opinions will change. We'll have to revisit this. Well, I think my opinion would change very quickly, yeah. too. I mean, th- that's just my initial reaction to the question. Right. If the question was, what do you think about... A dice game, hearing a, di- a diceified version of a game after you play it, do you find that you always like it more, always dislike it more? I would probably come down on the side of maybe fifty-fifty. Yeah, I'd be really curious when those diceified games. What the you know people who actually enjoy the diceified game would they ever go back and play the original, mm-hmm. or is the dice game replace the original, or do they break out the dice game because it's quicker and they got a time limit? Right. And if they had more time, do they go back and do the original? That's kind of the camp I fall in, in most cases, is I, if I had more time, I'd want to do the original. If there was a limited time, you can kind of get the same feel in a shorter time with the dice game. Yeah. But then there's also the case, there's like Nations, the board game, which is like this long, complex game that I would never want to play. But then Nations, the dice game came out, gives you the same feel, people say, of Nations, but you can play it in a half hour. So I would much rather play that than the original game. Mm. So... Anyway, interesting question, I think. So the next question is, what attracts you to a new game? So for me, I think the theme, the mechanics, especially when similarities to other games that I like. You know, if a review comes out about a game that's, oh, this is like uh, BSG, but like um, Dead of Winter again. You know, when when the hype was going on about that game, that attracted me to that game because I like the mechanic, I like the theme, and then it was being compared to games that I like. 
Uh, similarly, it's just important as to what detracts from a game. I know this wasn't part of the question, but when you hear that it's this is just like right. Robo Rally, like, <laughs> you know, all right, you know that sort of thing. But that that would be my answer. Theme by far the biggest thing. That's what's going to grab my initial attention. You know, My Little Pony game comes out. I'm not even going to look. I don't care what the mechanics are or anything. Right. But something that comes out that I actually love the theme of, it'll make me look further. And then it gets down to the components that are included. You know, is this uh, components nice? Do we have just little wood blocks? Or are they actually, you know, pieces that represent what they actually represent? And then getting down to the game playing mechanics. Is it, is it a mechanic in the game that I enjoy playing, mm-hmm. you know, area control or drafting? So if, if that mechanic is not a typical mechanic I like, that would sway me away. So those are probably my top three. So something just occurred to me, an item that I didn't even have in my notes, but this is probably number one for me. What attracts me to a new game is when I hear reviewers like th- that are very excited about the game. I think to me, that's probably the number one thing for me at this point. If reviewers that I know, I, I tend to have the same taste as them in games and they're like raving about a game, I'm instantly interested. But there are some things about the game itself once I start looking at it, and I kind of put these in order of what impacts me the most, uh, but they're all important. And the first is, if it comes out that the game has very simple rules, but a lot of strategy, like Power Grid, Power Grid, the rules are pretty simple and straightforward, but there's tons of deep strategy in the mm-hmm. game. So that tells me you can learn the game fast, but it's easy, and it's easy to remember the rules, and you can the more you play it, the more you get out of it. Those are all great things. Yeah. So simple rules and deep strategy. And I also look at the playtime. Pretty much at this point, it has to be less than two hours. If it's over two hours, it's, it's an immediate turnoff to me. It would have to be some amazing-looking game for me to, to consider buying it at this point if it was over two hours long. I don't know if that's as much of a showstopper for me. Really? I mean, it, it you think group. it would be. I mean, we have such a, limited time on our game point. night, though. That's the problem. We have limited time. I think the problem is what is happening in those two hours. If the two hours are like jam packed and, and it's it's enjoyable, and it goes on to three and four, but it's it's moving along and you're not even thinking about the time because you're absorbed. I can probably uh, deal with that. Yeah. But if it's like a caverna four hours or like a you know <laughs> five hours, you know where there's lots of gaps in there where you're waiting and and whatever. You know that's a little more painful. So when they list the game times, I don't I don't know if they factor factor Creed. the speed of the players in or not. Yeah, but you figure if they're that's probably the average game time. So if you're a new player, you're going to have to expect that it's going to take longer than the stated game time. So yeah, I think those game times are probably optimal. I'll tell you what to look out for. If you see something on the box that says something uh, some amount of time per player, those are going to be games with a lot of downtime. Yeah, because that basically means. One player is taking their turn until they're completely done, and then it's moving on to the next player. Because if there was simultaneous play happening, it wouldn't be a per-player time. Right. Caverna is a per-player thing. Well, aren't most games that way? No, because like Puerto Rico, it's simultaneous actions. Like I pick the action tile, but everyone gets to do it. Everyone gets to do it. It's not, I pick the action, I do everything, and then it moves on to the next person, they do everything. It doesn't go like that. It's more simultaneous. Roll for the Galaxy is another one that's simultaneous. So everyone's kind of doing things at the same time. So that's that's what to look for if you want to avoid those. The theme is still important to me. And this is more of a thing where there's certain themes that I'm just not interested in at all. So it's more of a turn-off type thing. There are some things, themes I like more than others, but I pretty much just want a unique theme. Like um, there's a game that came out. It's like this deep 
Euro game that came out at Essen this year. And it's about like running a fast food chain. That sounds fun to me. Like there's no games with that type of theme out there. Yeah. So uh, a unique theme like that. But like you said, something like My Little Pony, probably not going to play. And even like superheroes. I'm not really into superheroes. And those, those games tend to turn me off, even though a lot of people are really into that. So, And then the last thing is if there's some kind of unique mechanic. So like you were saying when people say, oh, this game is just like this other game. Well, that's kind of boring. But if there's something interesting about the game that's new and unique, then I want to try it. Dice Tower questions? Fig it till we make it? Good time. <laughs> speaking, of good, speaking of good times, we've had some good times playing this next game that we're going to do a mini review Mini of. review. Yeah. That game is called Colt Express. Colt Express. You know, I thought we reviewed this game before, but apparently we did. It was in a different timeline. I think I was dreaming. Alternate. I think I dreamed. Was it the Fringe Universe again? Okay. So, you know, we've been playing a lot of Colt Express. It tends to come out at the end of the night on our game nights pretty often now, almost every game night in the last few times. So we thought it was time to just give a little mini review of this game. Yeah. So when I was thinking about this, I stole my own thunder a few minutes ago when I was talking about the lightweight games. It occurred to me that Colt Express is my favorite lightweight game. Oh. So we've got a lot of those that we play, you know, just just kill some time. And, you know, it's not highly competitive. It's just fun. You know, it's goofy. It's fun. And this this game is great. It's it's not competitive. I think that in general, there there should be kind of a partition with the way some of these games are discussed with the regular intense logical uh, tactical strategic games versus the lightweight games which are essentially random and it reminds me a lot do you, i don't know if you guys have ever played this game called photo football it's it's really old it's it's Tim from, and i are both shaking our heads yeah, the for 80s. the microphone yeah yeah <laughs> So this is this was a board game that was out in the '80s, and the way it worked is it was based on NFL football, and you had different plays that you would use, and they were like sheets of transparent paper, but the the paper had lines drawn into them, and then the defense would choose their play, the offense would choose their play, and you put the put them on top of each other on the field, and then it, you could see by the way the lines intersected. That's the result of the play based on the offense and the defense that were chosen. Interesting. So it's kind of random. You know, you can use a little bit of strategy thing. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a running play or I'm gonna do a pass play. Uh, but Colt Express reminds me a little bit of photo. It's the same. The fun I have with Colt Express. It's that same feeling of you're kind of you're you're, you're placing your your cards down and then in tandem with everybody else and then you you see the resolution and it just kind of taps into that. And uh, it's it's a great game for what it is. Yeah. And just the, my thing is not to confuse it with a real game. So I would put Black Black Fleet in the same category. No, I think Black Fleet. When you're going to play that, you're trying <laughs> you're trying to win that game, aren't you? I think Chris had a minor seizure. Not really. There. You're not trying to win the not game. As, I mean, to me, I, it's not as random. Though. I have the same feeling of how much I care about winning in that game as I do. Cold I completely Express. disagree. We'll have to agree to disagree. Which, think, by the I way, think if, I think the, if you played Merchants and Marauders, you would take that as the lighter weight game. Is that, is that basically dice based? No, I think when you have a game that's essentially decided by random chance, then it's a lightweight game. 
okay. Plus King of Tokyo, you know, games like that. It's it's mostly it's ninety. The choices that you make only affect the game a little bit. You, you can't be disappointed if you don't win Cult Express. There's nothing that you did wrong. I mean, think about it. It's pandemonium the way these yeah. the turns are resolved, right? So, what's the name of Black Fleet? Yeah, there, there's no randomness to that other than the randomness of like one player like randomly going after another player right there's strategy in the game like the yeah. games of the tim one of that i think he deserved to win those the card games. draws are random all the card draws at the beginning yeah but i don't think that's why he won like i don't i don't think i don't think that you can win at cult express so you're going to hear just for our <laughs> listeners you're going to hear that ghost is broken at some point when we talk about this, Ghost is not broken. I'm telling you right now, it's lost more games than it's won. Totally broken. <laughs> <laughs> the, the games and the the Cult Express oh, games are largely won by um, you know who sh- shoots the most. Some, you know that's that's a factor, and even who shoots the most is sometimes random because you, you're shooting your gun. It doesn't mean you're going to hit anything. So should I give a quick overview of the game, real quick, oh, sure. in case people don't know? I'll, I'll go as fast as I can. So the theme of Colt Express, what you're doing in the game is you're train robbers robbing an actual 3D cardboard train with your meeples. And by the end of the game, you're trying to have the most money. And you get that money by picking up purses of gold or purses of money or, or gems or the strong box, which is worth the most. And the strong box is guarded by an NPC meeple called the Marshal. So it's a programmable m- movement game. So we each get the same amount of – we start with the same deck of cards – we draw seven of those? Six. Six of those. Seven if you're the other guy. Yeah, I think Doc draws Doc, seven. Yes. And they, they have actions on them, like move from one car to the other, or move to the roof of your car, or shoot someone in the next car, or punch someone in your own car, or move the marshal. So you're kind of playing these one at a time. And so like I'll play my card, and then Chris will play his on top of mine, and then Tim will play his. And we'll go around and play like four cards each total. And then you flip the pile over, and then you resolve them in the same order they were played. So that's where the programmable movement comes in. And you know you're trying to you're trying to maneuver your guy around, remember what other people are doing with their guy on the train, so that you can collect money and you know shoot the most people and whatnot, which are all the different ways you get money to win the game. It's a really fun game. Won the Spiel de Jar this year, so um, it's you know making some headway in the gamer world, and we've been playing it a lot and enjoying it. So. That's kind of how you play the game. So as Chris was saying, there isn't you don't have that much control because as soon as someone knocks you off your course, quote unquote, your whole turn is hosed. It becomes a little robo rallyish. Yeah, and it's not, but it's not as bad. It's as not Robo-rally. as bad, but it that that robo rally factor happens right. occasionally. Yeah, yeah, occasionally. For example, Ghost, who's broken, by the way, not broken, gets to play his first card face down, so you don't know what his action is and. If you're right after Ghost and you're in the car with him, you don't know you don't know what he just yeah, did because, because it's the first turn and you can see where everybody is. It's you can 90%, deduce it yeah. sometimes. sometimes. Sometimes I'd say more, but often you don't know what not. cards they have either. And if I if I'm Ghost, I I will intentionally do something not obvious because because it will that f- might not be the best move though, right? But it, it might be the best to throw off the person in the car with me. <laughs> now that's where the pandemonium starts. At. Yeah, Ghost is so, annoying. So ghost ghost annoys everybody, but isn't you're not getting the loot because you're you're going the opposite direction of the loot just to throw everybody off. Yeah, yeah. Ghost is broken. It's, they need, it's fun. It's they need an part. expansion that re, uh, replaces ghost. Ghost is fine. Maybe. <laughs> not broken. 
<laughs> so what are some things you like about this game, Tim? Well, I, I, you know, with the whole random factor, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because the, the fact that you're playing out these cards and you're seeing what previous people are doing, it's not like you're going blind and right. you're going to be totally off. You can see, oh, God, he's punching. And you can take that into account with your next play, figuring I'm going to be right. in a different car than when I played my last card. And you can adjust. So I think there's a lot of adjustments that you're not going to get totally whacked out yeah. when something happens to you because you can account for what's happening. What, what, what will happen sometimes, though, is someone will account incorrectly. Correct. So they won't be in the car you're expecting. And then suddenly now you're getting punched instead of this other person you thought was going to be there. Right. And sometimes you can get moved unexpectedly. Right. Yeah, I, I think, or though, you have the downturn I don't think it's cards. as random, though, because you're seeing some of the cards laid out. Right. It's pretty Except random. Except Ghost, who is broken because he gets two face-down cards. Right. <laughs> one face down. Well, the first one, and then there's usually, there's usually a face another down face down card somewhere during play. In the, yeah, yeah, the face down ones that happen at least once per turn, I think, um, is essentially what turns it somewhat random because you don't, you don't, you know, unless you're like a cow, a Vegas card counter, and you you, you have little uh, columns in your head of, of what each person's doing, like Rain Man. Yeah, and you could you, you know like three cards in. What each where each player is like for me, I'm overwhelmed. Well, we're usually playing like four cards, so I mean it's not yeah, but it's after, not terribly hard to kind of keep track of what's. So happening. wait, are you saying that Rain Man would have a better chance of winning this game? Rain than, Man, well, than the average person? no, because there's still luck involved. But they would he would have a better because that chance. would disprove your theory. No, I agree. Yes, I think that card counting and if you chose to try to do that probably does increase your chance of winning. Yeah, I mean, there's but only a max general, of two of each card. In general, all the games of that that I've played, there isn't some sort of deep strategy that's won. Right, that's true. I mean, it's... it's. I can't argue that. There's, there's no not strategy. a lot. And honestly, with King of Tokyo, it's the same way. A lot of it comes down to claws at the right time. No, there you know, is, there's a little there's strategy. Cards. There's deciding whether to go into Tokyo, whether to get out of Tokyo, whether or not to buy an upgrade card or a particular upgrade card. Those are more tactics. King of Tokyo, there's, there's two strategies. You're either going to go for killing everyone or go for points. Yeah. Right. I, I, Cult I, Express, you're either going for the strong box or you're trying to shoot everyone. Yeah. If, you shoot, if you're the person who shoots right. the most people. But the point, is, my, the point I was trying to make was with the lightweight games, when the game is over and you win... Do you think to yourself, man, that strategy, I have to remember how I did that because that strategy was stellar. Well, and I'm going to bottle that and right. use that again. No. When I went at King of Tokyo, I'm thinking, wow, I had no business winning that, but that was a lot of fun. And the same thing when I lose. Those games are, those. the thing that makes lightweight games great is you can lose the game and you're, it's still fun. It's still, still a fun, fun yeah. game. You know that the, the, it wasn't anything you did. It's just the, the nature of the game. It tells a good story, and it was fun. Yeah, I, you know, there are some things I... First of all, we mentioned Robo Rally. This game, um, I think we all agree, makes Robo Rally obsolete. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. need to have Robo Rally in your collection if you have this game. Uh, and, you know, the 3D train is really cool. And yeah, the components in this game are really nice. Yeah, and surprisingly, this game is not expensive. Because it's just cardboard, but right. you just put it together and make something in 3D. I think more games should do stuff like that because it gives you the illusion of having this it does, yeah. really yeah. amazing game, but it's really just cardboard like, right, put right. together. Yeah. You know what else I didn't mention about the positives of this game, too, is the speed. Yeah. Yes. The, the speed at which the turns go, and you don't need to do lots of thought in order to play your card. 
I love that. I'm using the word love. I love that about this game. It's one the main reason I keep coming back to this game. Yeah. It's just quick. It's the turns are bada boom, bada bang. It's like one of the games you can actually play when you're tired. You can play this when you're tired. I yeah. mean, you specifically. <laughs> Me specifically. Chris has, the more tired he gets, the harder he gets for him to play strategic games. And yeah. this game is, is no problem for him. So immediately bumps it up in your books, I yeah. think. Uh, anything else to say about Colt Express? Yeah, I have some, yeah. some negatives. Uh, okay. Well, no, I get the other positive, too. It's just this is one of those games that is extremely easy to teach. Yeah. I mean, there's it's the true. rules are pretty straightforward. You've got only a few actions that you can do. Once you learn what the actions are, I mean, you can mm-hmm. teach this game in five minutes and be playing and and having a good time. Yeah, this is one of the games you'll win before the game even starts. There you go. Rather yeah. than <laughs> by the time it ends. Yeah, so um, for me, just to talk about some of the negatives about the game, I really only came up with one negative as I reviewed this game. And that, and I feel very strongly about this. I don't know if you guys agree or not. Ghost is broken? <laughs> Ghost is definitely not broken. There's not enough turns in the game. It really frustrates me how few turns there are. So when you there's I think four or five, maybe six at the most. You mean round, round, rounds, rounds, rounds? Five rounds. Okay. That's not nearly enough. I'm surprised not you're saying that. Nearly enough. There should be at least ten rounds. Seems to go against your there's, quickness thing. You just but said. no, the quickness is more about the turn quickness. Wouldn't that make the game too long for what it is? If though? the game is long, that's okay as long as the turns are you know as long as you're moving it along. You know you're having fun. You're absorbed. I find that when I'm on turn five in this game, turn four, turn five, toward the end, you know, I'm, I'm like just getting in position to go, maybe go for the strong box. Or maybe I didn't have the cards to get to the strong box in the previous round. Yeah. You know, it, it's just getting going for me. And I don't think there's anything lost with making the game longer. We should try I would, it. I, I would be willing to bet that you will hate it if we played 10. I don't think I'll hate I, it. I, I got a better idea, is what you do is, you know, you have the Marshall card. There's only a single Marshall card, right? Yeah. You make a single missed station card. Okay. And if you play that, it means you just add it around. Okay. So, like, on, on the last turn, if you happen to play one of these missed station cards, you just miss that stop, and you got to do another turn. Yeah, it but lets th- you extend the turn. But then you're wasting a card on that, and you're not really benefiting yourself. Well, you still had three other cards you could have played and done something. This is only taking one card to do it. Yeah, but I'd rather grab the loot. Well, I don't know. I, I think because I think it should be ten rounds, maybe maybe even more. Wow. Maybe like fifteen rounds. I mean, imagine you're going rounds. on this but train. It's, light. it's so light, though. That I think that's my problem but, with but there's extending. Still, there's still loot. There's still people to punch. There's still shooting. There's still the marshal. There's no. There's nothing lost. I think if you're getting that long, I, I need to be able to shoot you and catch you. I think you're losing you the. I think you're losing the niche that this game fills if you do that. Which is a game, a light game that you can play in a half hour. If you if you extend it to 10, 15 rounds, it's going to become like an hour and a half game. Those games are are not half an hour long. Yeah, they are. I, I, I think mean, you'd be surprised. I think, you're, I think you're actually enjoying it so much you don't actually realize yeah, that it's right. taking uh, that long. But I think it's worth a try. I don't think that it would take away anything from the game. I would we say could, you try with seven rounds and see. I guarantee you I would love seven rounds. <laughs> what do you guys think? Do you That's think Colt Express game. would be better with ten rounds? How about 15 rounds? Well, definitely five is too small. I, I really find that is the biggest negative about this game. It always ends way. I don't get why it ends so fast. Yeah. I almost think that there, the reason is there's a lame reason behind it. Like, for example, well, they used six shooters back then. And so they gave everybody six bullets. Yeah. And that's right around the time you could use up six bullets. Mm-hmm. Like, like that was the reason, which is a horrible reason. I mean, if you're having fun playing this game, 
you know, so they have a nine millimeter, you know, with extra bullets. Okay. <laughs> this is the old West. I know. I understand. No blocks. You can just take out one of the shooting cards. Yeah. Or you, you could, could do that. So there is an expansion coming out for this that I'm probably going to get because it adds like a, like a little stagecoach next to the train. So you can interact with this yeah. little cardboard. There's what? a lot of potential for expansions. And, Interesting. And I saw at Essen, they had a promo item. They made a DeLorean, <laughs> like a cardboard DeLorean. I wish, I don't know if they can use it in the game or not, That's but that'd be awesome. perfect for today, That's too. Awesome. Today's Back to the Future. Yeah, today yes. we were recording on Back to the Future Day. Yeah. yeah, I thought I saw Marty, but it wasn't him. No? Yeah. Oh, well. I only had one negative, and that is that sometimes it's hard to grab the pieces. Even though the train is cool in 3D, like... I, I notice people knocking stuff over all the time. That really bothers you. It's annoying. It? Yeah. Could it just be fat fingers. I don't know. Yeah. yeah but it, but if you knock it over, you just pick it up. No, it's because they're knocking stuff over. It's annoying. <laughs> this is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That bothers you. I don't know why. It drives me crazy. I'm I'm actually shocked that he hasn't printed out paper and printed out with railroad tracks on it, and the cars have to sit on those tracks. <laughs> they actually have a you, there's a there's a like a map thing you can buy that is a train track that you can set it on. I'm surprised you don't got that. Yeah. Maybe I don't buy it because I know it will bother me when it's off the track. <laughs> so uh, my only negative here is it's kind of with the scoring. In a lot of the games I've played, whoever emptied their gun and got that 1,000 yeah. for the emptying their gun has won probably 90 to 95% of the games. I think Thus that strong box needs to be <laughs> one of those big keys. If, if you're able to go get the strong box, which is initially guarded by the marshal, it definitely should have more sway than someone who empties their gun and picks up a couple gems. Oh man, you just gave me a great idea. We should we should create a variant for this game of like capture the flag, where you're just the whole goal is just the strong box. Yeah, I mean, it's just like capture the flag. I, to I get it and bring it back to. Like I a think certain if that point, strong box had more value in who was going to win too, you would get more people. As soon as someone got the strong box, he's the target. You want to get that strong box from him. And that sh- that should be your key thing is. If you possess that, you should you should win most of the games. But yeah, I've I agree. I've several times possessed the strong box, and then uh, Chris Johnson has just gone shooting crazy, and he's ended up winning because he had you know a gem and two sacks, and he emptied his gun. I actually want to try this capture the fly idea. We could split everyone up into two teams, put the two strong boxes on either end, and then the goal is just to go get the other strong box and bring it back to your car. I like it. I think that would be fun. You need more than five turns. Maybe. Well, you just go well, until this until could, you just you go until someone gets the flag back to their yeah. place. I like so this. This is the game extension that you're looking. That's for. what I like. This is the out of Let's game Colt Express variant. There you go. It's official. I like it. <laughs> All right. Are we done talking about Colt Express? I think we're good. Great game. We'll continue to play it for sure. Yeah. Okay. Send me on some table talk. Table talk. I'm Eric Summerer, and you're listening to Out of Game, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Yeah. It just got real. Find this and other great podcasts at Dicetowernetwork.com. All right, we need to uh, pick up the pace a bit here, talking about all things positive. We want to stay positive here at Out of Game. Feeling the love. At least for this episode. And we're going to start it off by what we're going to do in this segment is basically we have, five, we have a set of five questions here that are all positive experiences. Something about a positive experience you've had with gaming. And uh, we're going to kick it off with... What was your gateway drug to board gaming? Out of game does not support drugs. So for me, you know, there's RPGs and then Magic were probably the gateway drugs. But if I had to pick a board game, it'd probably be Settlers of Catan. I mean, huh. that, that's the game that kind of got me into it. It, you know, it's it, 
it's got a high commercial appeal. So it's it's a good game to kind of pull people in. Had you played that before we started playing board games? Yes. Okay. Barely. Though. I don't remember even playing that with you ever. Yeah. So it was it was a family game. So we okay. played that with our family, and I think that uh, that's a lot of people have that game sitting right next to like Monopoly at home. Yeah. But but yet, Settlers of Catan would fall under the genre that we're talking about. Right. It's like the gamer's Monopoly. Right. So that that would be mine. Uh, for me, I mean, it's definitely the RPGs that got me into this whole side of everything. That was something I started very early, and it led to all this stuff. But board games that I played when I was younger, um, probably, I don't even know if they exist anymore, probably not. Carrier Strike, Feudal, um, and there was another, I think it was called Battle Zone or something like that. It was it was actually tanks on a, a big square board, and it was kind of like... Were these on the same shelf as Stratomatic... What is that game you like? Stratego? No, the one you talked about last. Oh, Supremacy? Supremacy. <laughs> that sounds like the same shelf. No, no I mean, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the tank one, I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, if someone knows. Uh, but it was kind of like Stratego. The tanks had power values, and you'd go and try to take out the other person's tanks. Okay. Carrier Strike was a little different. You actually had a carrier that you actually mounted planes to, and the planes could fight each other, and you had cards that would do things, and the... Planes also had torpedoes that you could load and launch at the aircraft carriers and try to sink the other guy's aircraft carriers. We, uh, me and my brothers used to play that all the time. So those are kind of my gateway ones. And Feudal is another one that just really Do you still game. have these games? I have Feudal. <laughs> uh, Carrier Strike, I am not positive. I, I hope to God it's somewhere at my parents' What's house. What's the playtime on these games? Uh, are these I like no clue. marathon games? No, no, not at all. They're 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 really meant to be short kind of games. We played them when we were kids. So I do think it would be fun sometime to bust out all these old games some night and play them in a game night. I don't know if I'd be. The problem I have is I don't know if I'd be willing to waste our one game night a month to do it. But it is. It's interesting sometimes to go back and play those old games. Yeah, I don't know if my parents recycled those or not because I remember not too. I think it was called Barnstorm or something. It was biplanes and you actually had a biplane flight and you had cars you could do barrel rolls i like how you have like every type of artillery or whatever covered in your different board games you know yeah i mean you know (laughs) kid watching you know war movies and stuff like that this the war games that uh hit up so so for me you know i did play board games growing up but i kind of took this question i i tried to think of it more of what what was the gateway drug that got me like really hard hardcore into the board gaming hobby so playing like playing like Monopoly and stuff growing up, of course, yeah, I liked board games, but where it felt more like a drug that made me want more, that's kind of I was, I was trying to think what game did that to me, where it kind of started this snowball effect of me, you know, now owning over two hundred games. <laughs> what game was that? And that game was actually Agricola. So we've never played that. I know you guys haven't, but um, I've played it a lot with Esther, which. I've mentioned before, my initial reason for getting into board games was to play games with her. And we were trying to like play these, you know, other crappy games, but I, I've, I've told this story before, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but Agricola by far was the game where I sat down, read the rules, didn't understand a, a thing I was reading. I had to go online and watch like a tutorial video. And it was like, my mind was blown <laughs> by, by the, by the game. And as soon as we played it, I'm like, oh my gosh, we've got to play that again. I think we played it two times the first night. And then I immediately went out and was like, all right, what, 
I found out who the designer was and was like, all right, what other games does he have? And then the obsession. Then it started. Yeah, I got Lahav. I got Gates of Loyang. Those are both Uwe Rosenberg, Caverna designer, by the way. So Agricola by far was what started it for me. I played other games before that, like Catan, some other car games. I played a lot of Munchkin, and I was thinking maybe it was those, but no, the thing that really made me addicted and got, got me started was Agricola. Cool. All right, you want to read question number two? Question two. After game night as you're driving home, what aspects of gaming typically stand out as your best memories of the night? Uh, Well, you know, on my very long, arduous walk up the staircase, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I just pondered, you know, strategies that actually I was trying to implement and actually worked and won me a game. Those kind of, you know, hit me off as So it's like know, every, cool every game thing. night then? Yeah, so I, I usually go to bed pretty happy. It's, it's, it's kind of nice. He has it for every step he takes, he's like, I won that yeah, we game. should point out in case of listeners, you know, because we, and says, Tim wins almost every game. I'm pretty sure we I mean, he has a, a really, an unusually high winning percentage. Yeah, it's, especially if it's, if it's, if it's a new game that Ryan's introducing, yeah. chances are I've got a 95% chance yeah, that I'm going to take. True. So you should be on my side for, for learning new games. That's true. Uh, you're right. You're right. Brings up your win percentage. I'm still trying to get the pandemic legacy thing to happen yeah yeah not enough time we need to do we need to do all this stuff yeah that was a problem that i had with house on the haunted hill betrayal of house on yeah. the hill <laughs> because we played we wasted so much time in that game we couldn't do pandemic we couldn't do yeah uh what was the other game we were talking about doing we we're talking about doing dead of winter even yeah i have a lot of games that we've mentioned we want to do like survive kemet kemet that uh, was another one but pandemic puerto rico we were wanting yeah. to play again we, we have such a limited time on game night. It's, so, it's rough. So for me, I had four things. I'll, I'll rattle through them real quick. I think the main one is if there's any moment that happened in the night that, create, that created some sort of lasting story that we could tell. So like something that created a metagame moment. And that could be anything. It's, it's kind of generic. Uh, this just happens sometimes in various games that we play. Uh, and, it, and it could even just be like a very strategic game that usually doesn't have a story, but it's something like, you know, remember that time that Dave only didn't build any buildings and still won Kalis and Ryan, you should have gone after him. <laughs> like we still talk about Kalis, which you yeah, would almost never. Classic. And then if there's something funny that happened that would stick out or like if there's some game where I had like some amazing move, like we had the five tribes game where I was able to capture both of the highest tiles in the same move and win the game, like something like that. Uh, but I think the number one thing is if there's a game that came down to the wire somehow, and I actually wrote on here photo finish, which is kind of funny because that was the name of that game you were just photo football. Oh, yeah. photo football. Never mind. But if the game comes down to like a stand up die roll, like Battlestar Galactica, this would happen a lot. Actually, we there'd be it would, the game would come down to a single roll, yeah. and then it's like that roll determines who wins and loses. Something like that, where there's like a photo finish. I, those those moments stick out for me, and I usually think about them. Yeah, I think. My answers are similar to both of yours. I, I like to Tim's point. I savor the sweet win. I'm oh, driving yeah. them. I'll think about, you know, if there was that come from behind or you know just a good story of a, of a win. Um, maybe in the betrayal games, if there's a betrayer that comes out and wins, sometimes it seems hard to to make that happen. Uh, so like those those memories. To Ryan's point, you know, a lot of the classic moments that happen. If there's something you can kind of tell that happened that night that has lasting power that that it's it's it becomes almost you know like a like a legendary moment that will live on you know and then the funny stuff you know like in spyfall how i was coming up with those off the wall questions and <laughs> yeah, that was you know, like 
You're like, well, what, if, what disease would you be at this location? <laughs> Some, something, you know, like whatever I was coming up with. You know, those, those are, I, I like reliving those. But like those events, the things that leave a legacy. Yeah. Okay. Tim, you want to read the next, uh, uh, next question? No, you better because I'd have to scroll it across my phone. Yeah, so. I, I got it. So <laughs> what gaming experiences, if any, left you wanting more? For example, if you finish a game, you loved it so much that the next week you want to play that exact same game again. Uh, for me, it's going to be the strange answer for you guys. It was actually Blood Bowl when I first played that. Okay. It was, uh, you know, it was trying to learn it, and then, you know, we, we did the match, and then we tallied up our points, got to upgrade our guys, and I was kind of like, oh, hey, you know, next time I play, my guys are going to be this, so they've improved, and it made me want to play that next game to see what I could do with these new abilities that these guys gained, and it's kind of a building thing. So that's why I tend to like the longer things trying to do like the pandemic legacy or something. I like the, the building on top of a previous game and it affects the next things that are coming up. So, okay. Yeah. Mine might be similar a little bit. I didn't put a specific game, but for me it's, so I've mentioned before how I like that moment in a game where you, you understand the rules and you start strategizing. Well, there's some games when that happens, you realize, okay, if I had done this, this, and this from the beginning, that would be a great strategy. But you don't figure that out until halfway through the game. So for me, it's when I finish a game, but sometime halfway through that game, I discovered a strategy that I would have to start from the beginning of the next time I played. That makes me like want to get back and play the game again and try out the strategy from the beginning now that I know the rules. Uh, so that is, for me, what makes me want more of a game. So if there's some strategy I discover halfway through a game and I want to try it out on the, the next time I play. Yeah, that's a good one. Cause I kind of agree with that, even though that wasn't what I was thinking for my answer, but that's a good one. I think like Colt Express, we just reviewed that, that game always leaves me wanting more, but I think a lot of that has to do with there's not enough turns in the game. <laughs> um, you know, in general, you know, I like quick games like Spyfall and one night resistance, which we just played for the first time. Those, those games I'll play one and then I want to play again. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Spyfall. When we finish the game of Spyfall, I want to play again. You know that game leaves that. me wanting more. That's a sign of a good game. And then the other thing is, this is a strange one, but when I lose, assuming that it wasn't a miserable gaming experience, you know, from a time standpoint, I always want to play again. Like just the competitive side of me, I, I want to play again. If I, if I lost, that's a, that's another example of wanting more. Next question: What was your best win ever? <laughs> so. For those of you who have been longtime listeners, we've answered this question before, but we, it occurred to us that neither of us actually answered with a board game. So I think I answered a video game, and Chris's was related to magic. Yeah. So I hope your answer is not magic this time. Uh, no. All right. So, yeah, this is board gaming only. So I'm honestly, I'm tempted to give the floor to Tim because I'm more interested uh, in his. Uh, yeah, so many games. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it could be. He has more to choose from. Mine is very easy. This was a very easy question for me to answer. I don't know if you, you guys were in this game, but it was a game of Cyclades. I don't, I don't think you, Ryan, played it, but Tim, you might have been in it. So in this game, it was a four-player game of Cyclades, and Nathan like just randomly went after me one turn. Okay. And he, he doesn't know the whole thing about, you know, he has no chance of winning. Yeah. If, 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 <laughs> you know, I'll make it my sole mission to go after him. So Chris Johnson, I, he, I don't think Chris Johnson was in the game, but I remember talking to him about this. He and I think the same with that. Like we have this, that same DNA strand. <laughs> so Nathan came after me and like decimated my civilization. And I was down to like one, one or two spots. And then because you're so weak, it is, it is a cutthroat game. So people left me alone because I was so decimated. And my whole mission 
was to build up and to go back after Nathan again. And okay. that's all I did was save money and then, you know, do, buy a couple things here and there. But it was all about attacking him again. And, of course, he knew I would be after him. But so much time had passed. I mean, rounds were going and going, and everybody's kind of nipping away at each other, that I finally had my opportunity, and I, I rammed through his land. And it, it was unlikely that I was going to succeed because he was growing his empire at the fast, same rate I was, and it was much bigger. But I was able to get through, and I ended up winning the whole game because <laughs> after I decimated him, I took over a lot of his, the territories that he had yeah. built up. And it just kind of snowballed. Trying together to give you the points you needed. Exactly. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't win at that moment. It, it was several turns. In fact, people didn't think I was going to win just from that. But okay. I was like in the game again, and Nathan had no chance to win because it was toward the end of the game, and he was where I was before. Anyway, that was. I I love that game. <laughs> that was a great. So moment. you got to do your counter punch, and you still and won. won yeah. It's like and, a and and as a side note, I loved Cyclades. So well, yeah. I won a game that I've been that established. I, I had a kind of a tie, but they're really for the same. How many reason. how many teams? How many games were tied? Like like ten instances. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really the two that I that are kind of more recent ones that I remembered. But uh, they're both for the same reason. And the one would be the Alien Frontiers, where I was presumed leader pretty much the whole game. You were stealing my resources. Dave is stealing my cards. And everybody's messing with me because I'm the presumed leader. And then somehow through cards that I would get and this and that, I still ended up winning after I had three people fighting to just make sure I lost. Yeah. And it's like the little kids playing with dad. It was just, it was just, I, I don't know how <laughs> it happened, uh, but it's like all of a sudden we got to the end and I'm like, I ended up winning. The other one that was, it was the Lords of Waterdeep, which was the first time I played. Yeah. And it was the same thing. It looked like I was losing. People kept stealing my yeah. to fill out my cards. And then I got those two really big ones from the expansion one. And with all of that, I still ended up winning the game against all odds. What's so. funny about it, it is, is those, I remember both of these games <laughs> And Tim was complaining the whole game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to. Yeah. He still wins. He still wins. So like for Tim, not winning enough is like for how what losing (laughs) is to us. Well, you know, when someone comes and like jacks all your resources, you know, you you get annoyed. Yeah. Especially Alien Frontiers. Like if you have four ore and someone ganks all your ore, that's pretty bad. It's really hard. But then you know, once the game's over, you know, even even win or lose, I'll I'll get annoyed during the game. But then win or lose, once the game's over. Here's what I suggest. Here's here's how you should look at it. It's like Survivor, insert in the game Survivor on TV, where a lot of times the people that are voted out take it as a compliment. And they say, you know, they they were smart to get rid of me. They they respect me as a player, even though sometimes they're not living in reality when they say that. But sometimes it's true that people get voted out because they're dangerous. And I think going after you is a compliment. Before they came to that recollection, they... They had a hissy fit beforehand, and then, and then they're, they're calm. So, I, you know, the hissy fit kind of happens during the game while it's happening to you, and then when you get out, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, I, part of me thinks, though, it's part of his strategy, because act, I actually feel bad. I don't know why. <laughs> but if I'm going after Tim, I feel worse than if I'm going after anyone else in the game. Yeah, I agree And we that. should be going after Tim. We should be, yeah. Maybe it, it's that bag of candy I'm, like, waving it. It might be, face. yeah. You know, he's giving us sodas and chocolates and... It's like you're attacking Tim, like the nicest guy at the table. Yeah. He's not doing anything to anyone. He's not hurting anybody. Yeah. He's just trying to play the game. It's, it's part of your strategy. It could be. It could be. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what's yours? Uh, you guys were actually both in this game. And you, you, I think you'll remember it. We were at Gen Con, and I think we were waiting for Chip in the yellow room. 
the company of yellow. So there's a game of King of Tokyo sitting out and we're like, okay, let's just play some King of Tokyo while we wait the ham sandwich of board. Yes. So it was, it was the three of us and Dave and Dave was one turn away from winning. It was pretty much, I think I can't remember exactly how it was going. I think it basically, if he got another turn, we knew he was going to win. And so it was on my turn. And I think Dave was next. What it boiled down to was in order for me, in order for Dave to lose, I had to kill him on my turn. And in order to kill him, I had to roll five fists. And claws. I, claws, yeah. So I rolled, I remember the first two rolls, I only rolled like two. So I had to roll three claws on my last roll, and I did it and killed Dave. <laughs> and that's what made it the sweetest victory ever is because it was Dave. <laughs> and I, I was so happy that I was able to do that. Oh and, and he was, you know, Dave is so cocky when he's winning. <laughs> yeah. You know, he'll be like gloating the whole time. And so it just felt so good to decimate him. Yeah. And I remember he was just so like shocked and disappointed. So that was a very sweet victory for me. I love that that made your list. <laughs> I remember that game. That was that great. Was, that was great. So that would be mine. All right. Final question. What is one unique aspect of board gaming that you love and that is hard to find in other hobbies? Yeah, for me, it's just a great way to catch up, you know, and um, you know, chat with your friends while still having something active to do. It's not like you're sitting there in a living room with just dead air and, and stuff. So you, know, you get to play a game and talk to people and catch up. It brings out a lot of aspects of your personality too, you know, mm-hmm. like how you handle winning and losing, like you mentioned Dave in, in the previous segment and how he can be kind of cocky. Right. Games are fun for that reason because those, those the colorful parts of your personality comes out, um, you know, sense of humor and, and things of that sort. It's also a good replacement for sports, you know, as you get older. And you know, I used to love playing sports, but it's just not the way it used to be. You yeah, know, physically. You, every time you play, you pull a hammy. Pull a hammy. Yeah, as I got older, <laughs> that started happening. Board game is a good way to you know uh, do competitive things and you know not kill yourself. So. <laughs> just a side note: I, I Chris and I used to be on like the co- corporate softball team, and I am not kidding. The entire summer, Chris had a limp. <laughs> I was limping from one injury or the yeah, next. He, yeah, he re-injured himself multiple times in the same summer. And one of them, it was like, you tripped on a Barbie or something <laughs> at your house. <laughs> I tripped on my daughter's Barbie. It was going down the stairs. I rolled it, and she just left it on the stairs, and, um, and I landed on my back, like oh on my, my side. Wow. And I, I swear, I thought my ribs were broken. It hurt so bad. It ended up just being, you know, like a bruise or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of injuries. I was limping. Didn't you what play like in a, some kind of game recently and you pulled your hamstring again? <laughs> yeah, that was actually that was 4th of July, but that was, I think, 2014. Yeah, I tried stretching and everything. <laughs> and I, well, the problem is I run around like I'm 20 Yeah, and I'm not. Yep. <laughs> My brain, you know, it thinks I can still do this stuff. And so, yeah, and yeah. I pulled hamstring. Chris is old. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Can't Tom. deny it. Uh, one of my favorite things that uh, the board games bring is that you can actually play a bunch of different thematic things kind of in a shorter period of time. You can go from, you know, Battlestar Galactica to Cold Express Old West to, you know, a medieval thing. And so it's to kind of get different genres and be able to do all of them the same night. If you're doing any other activities, you're usually picking one activity and that's what you're doing for the night. Here you can kind of change themes and stuff like that, get different feels during the night and, and you know, kind of a more well-rounded experience of different topics. Yeah. So I think for me, it's it's the aspect of discovery. So in other hobbies, I mean, I haven't had a lot of hobbies outside of gaming, but you know, I'm just thinking of other hobbies that people have, even things like modeling, trains. Stamp or, collecting. 
yeah, stamp collecting, you know, knitting, coin. I don't know. There's other hobbies out there. I'm not into them. But my point is that hobbies like those, they're always kind of the same. Like, you're collecting stamps. Okay, there might be a new stamp that comes out. But with board gaming, it's it's like the board gaming is constantly evolving. So you're always you can always be discovering something new. So the the hobby is kind of changing as you go. And I like that. I like that. I like that's probably why I like to play new games so much. I like the discovery aspect of discovering new games, new mechanics, uh, new themes, you know, new styles of playing and that sort of thing. Click for you. Yeah, the click for you thing. But just think of it like One Night Werewolf. 2 years ago that didn't exist. And now it's like a staple of our game group. And that was something that evolved in the hobby. Now there's all these other one night games that have come out since then. Uh, Dominion before, I know Chris, you don't like Dominion, but there was no deck building type game before Dominion. Dominion came out and it introduced this whole new genre of games and worker placement. Kalos was like the first worker placement game. And now there's tons of them. So things like that are constantly happening and I'm excited to find out what the new ones are going to be. Uh, so I think just the discovery part of board gaming is, is what keeps it really interesting to me. Good. I like it. Well, I think that wraps up episode 16. Episode 16. So The positive. Yeah, the positive things of board gaming. So if you want to come out and find us on our website, you can go to outofgamepodcast.com. Don't forget our contest. Uh, you can join our guild, BGG Guild 1990. Uh, you can get there from our webpage. You can also get to our Twitter feed, which is at... O-O-G podcast. You're just looking at me. At OG podcast. Can we talk about the contest one last time? Sure. What are we giving away? We're giving away code names. Code so how names. do you enter? You enter by either sending us a question for one entry, or in addition, you can leave us an iTunes review for and three you, more entries. How do you send a question? By emailing us at outagamepodcast at gmail.com. And that enters you in the contest, Yeah, right? or a voicemail at 40-O-O-G-O-O-G-80. Which is our phone number. That it is. And you can hear my voice on there greeting you. Facebook and Stitcher at OG Podcast. And I, if you want to find some more great podcasts, go to Dicetowernetwork.com. And hey, you know what? On Facebook, we will update with that gaming cabinet that we've been talking about. So you can actually see a picture of my uh, chest of drawers. All right. Tim's going to post it in a future post of our of his gaming table that he's going to build. Yeah, that'll be a while. Because I'm just going to keep saying it until you do it. <laughs> I think that is it for this time. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Welcome to episode 15 of Out of Game. Episode 15. This is Ryan. Hold on. on, on. I have this as 16. Yeah, it is 16. Oh. Let's start over. Let's go on the bloopers. (laughs) (laughs) I have 15 on the agenda. We have a blooper on the first five seconds. You have them both for 16 and 17 to 15. Take two. And here we go again. All right, so before we get into all that, though, let's start the spawn point. Spawn point. <laughs> <laughs>